We found the computer outlet, sir. Plug in. You should be able to interpret the entire Imperial network. You are listening to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Lucasfilm's preferred Imperial costuming organization. Stay tuned to global news from the front lines of the Empire as the men and women of Vader's Fist celebrate decades of promoting Star Wars, honing the art of costumes and props, and contributing to the community through charity and volunteer work. Give me regular reports, please. Right. And here are your hosts. Take it away, troopers. Copy that. Welcome back to the 501st Cast, the official podcast of the 501st Legion, Vader's Fist. This is episode 130 for June 2021, and here are your hosts, myself, Marcus, TK14057. This is Nikki, DZ8397. I'm Joe, TI and SL12743. And this is Todd, TI and TB10078. The Legion is currently at 14,413 members with 31,641 approved costumes in the Legion. Our newest member listed on firefirst.com uh, at the time of this recording is Jesus, DZ19825, a new Gamorian guard for Spanish garrison. In this episode, we, uh, we recap um, 1138 social media event, hear from our Israel outpost, and find ourselves being interviewed by a fellow member. Stay tuned. Earlier this month, the 501st Legion hosted an amazing round-the-clock social media event called 1138, celebrating 50 years of Lucasfilm. It consisted of both live and pre-recorded content, and we used it as a fundraiser for the first robotics program. As of this recording, our donations total over $28,000, but our donation page is still live as we work through all the content and repost it to our YouTube channel. So you can donate at bit.ly, like bit.ly slash 501st celebrates. One of the most thrilling surprises of the weekend was when D. Bradley Baker just casually offered Challenge 66 to our viewers. He challenged us to raise 100 donations of $66 each, and if we did, he would match and donate $6,600. So soon after we had picked ourselves up off the floor from that shock, Bobby Moynihan, who was the next guest on our show after D. Bradley Baker, offered to match that donation as well. So we'll, we're pleased to say that we met the challenge. Mr. Baker activated Clone Force 99, and Mr. Moynihan matched as well, instantly doubling what we had raised thus far. It was so thrilling to see so many people helping us support such a great cause. We'd once again like to offer huge kudos to the members who worked behind the scenes to pull this together, especially the Legion PR department, the tech streaming wizards. I don't know if they have official name for themselves, but that's what I'm calling them now. And those who worked on editing all the videos. This is a massive project that couldn't have happened without those core volunteers. And over in the United Kingdom, our UK garrison celebrated with a parade. They celebrated Lucasfilm's 50th anniversary right at Elstree Studios. So check out the link to an article and accompanying video in our show notes. We have a few new additions, of course, to our costume reference library since our last episode. The Pathfinders have added the Shore Trooper squad leader as seen in The Mandalorian, which does indeed have a few differences from the Shore Trooper squad leader seen in Rogue One. 
Our Clone Trooper Detachment has added Clone Trooper Hawkbat Battalion, as seen in the 2003 Clone Wars micro-series. They're also referred to with the nickname Mud Jumpers. New for our flagship Eclipse Detachment is Darkseid Bastilla from Star Wars The Old Republic and Galaxy of Heroes. Those costumes are all now ready for independent GML approval. As always, you can check out links directly to each new CRL in our show notes, and you can see the full list at 501st.com slash CRL. Thanks again to the Legion membership team for these updates. Now, I haven't seen it for sure, though, without new Pathfinders one is the tray table that they carry around the cafeteria an actual authorized accessory. <laughs> oh, I forgot to look. <laughs> yeah, let, me, let me see. I have seen people have been looking for the exact manufacturer of that tray, but I, I think that would have to be probably a, a con-only uh, accessory, yeah. not uh, on official troops. I would imagine no, that to be. A, a, it only lists the blasters under the optional accessories. I they, was just going to say a, a joke there. <laughs> it, would, it would definitely be a good weapons option if uh, you know, we can't take the blaster with us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, let's go into our next segment, which is Legion Acronyms 101. We like to give you the basics on a topic relating to the 501st Legion because we've covered detachments and our costume reference library or CRL on past episodes. So for this episode, we'd like to explain some of our volunteer position acronyms. You've probably heard us uh, tossing around terms like GML, GEC, DL, PRO, you know, uh, on the podcast. And we thought we'd cover what those and other volunteer positions entail. So let's get everybody involved here. LCO or GCO, right? I'll start. This is the Legion commanding officer or the garrison commanding officer. Mm-hmm. All right. Yep. So who? what's next? Somebody want to chime in with the next one? Well, the next one's pretty easy. LXO, GXO, obviously second in command for whatever unit or pertains pertains to. The next one's me, the LEC, which is the Legion event coordinator, or a GEC, which is garrison event coordinator. I'm also that for my garrison. So obviously the garrison event coordinator is in charge of coordinating events for the unit. Uh, Sometimes squad leaders um, also fill that role, depending if the garrison has squads or not. Um, and then the LEC helps out on any questions people have for events that we can do or not do, um, and any events that are spanning multiple garrisons or are like worldwide events. So on the garrison level, it's the garrison membership liaison, GML. But we also have a legion level, right, where they oversee a lot of the you know new CRLs and such, and that's actually the legion membership officer. I think Marcus should do the next one. What do we got here? The Alpha <laughs> and the Jeeper. Jeeper. Um, oh, Jeepers. So, <laughs> right. So the Alpro is the, um, the Legion public relation officer. In this case, officers, because we have quite a lot as the Legion grows, you know, as, and, and the more things we do, um, the more people we need really on hand. So we, um, like as Nikki mentioned earlier, we, you know, we were, also uh, helping the 1138 event, um, the planning and execution, obviously with a lot more people that, that weren't mentioned that were in the background. So I think overall, this particular project, just to go back to this to this real quick, gosh, Nikki, what do we have, like over um, 30 volunteers that did various things? So mm-hmm. 
Um, but the LPRO um, themselves, uh, we also monitor our uh, social media <clears throat> presence or, um, yeah, like, like Facebook, Twitter, um, and Instagram. So we monitor those, those comments. Not all of them are nice. So we have to, you know, make sure that, uh, that, uh, those get filtered, filtered out. And we obviously, we post those, um, you know, pictures with message, with, uh, captions on the, on our social media, uh, pages. So we do that, um, um, four times a day, um, you know, 24 seven, I mean, uh, 365 days a, a year. So that's, that's, that keeps us busy. Uh, we, we take pictures from all the detachments or pictures members send in, you know, of, of them in poses or whatever else or events that we had, like we had, um, you know, pride month. So we had a post up yesterday, uh, Sorry, today, right? Yeah, today or this week. Um, and so we kind of are like the, in a way, we represent the Legion, you know, to the to the public, in essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, back when I started as a GPR, garrison PR officer mm-hmm. for, for my garrison, there was no social media. <laughs> wow. So the, the bulk of my responsibilities were helping the event coordinator, which was also myself. So that was a pretty easy uh, yeah. collaboration there. Um, I would send out, uh, press releases to the press to let them know when we were going to be making appearances. Um, and the other bulk basically of my responsibility used to be just like, uh, collaterals, um, like PR materials, physical, um, business cards, brochures, flyers, all that kind of stuff, signs, posters. Um, so it's very, Interesting how the role has evolved with mm-hmm. the with the advent of social media. Now it's it's pretty heavily social media. Oh yeah. So next we've got our LMBO and GMB, which are in the case of like a GW. Sorry, GMB is the Garrison Merchandise and Branding Officer, mm-hmm. and same on the Legion. It's the Legion Merchandise and Branding Officer. In the Legion, we do have uh, an opportunity to, you know, have certain um, publicity material or, you know, that could be trading cards. It could be, you know, uh, things to give away to the public or it could be things that we can wear or have ourselves, you know, such as uh, T-shirts or, uh, you know, challenge coins. We've got so it's sway. up to the merchandise and branding officer to actually uh, be able to manage that and make sure everything is done appropriately within the the regulations that we have from uh, Lucasfilm and, um, you know, within certain quantities that we're allowed to do. Even though from the outside, it looks like we have a lot of swag, which we do have a lot of swag since we have oh, you know, we thousands of members. But there are actually, you know, rules that we have to follow in, in order to, to make the swag. Uh, so the next acronyms are LCR and GCR, which is the Legion Charity Representative or the Garrison Charity Representative, um, which they basically sort of a liaison between the 501st and whatever charity is being worked with for an event. Um, you know, we always try, if possible, to have a physical representative come attend the event uh, if we're fundraising for them. Or if that's not possible, you know, try to get them to send along some, you know, business cards or flyers to talk to people about the charity that we're fundraising for. Um, and also if they wanted to help out with any of the, you know, 
social media promotion of the event while we're fundraising for them. So that's kind of what the uh, the charity rep helps out with. Which has been a very important role, especially uh, recently, as we've done different larger, like legion-wide, you know, charity efforts. Um, I'm reminded of the uh, the big uh, Make a Wish um, T-shirt run that happened, you know, probably about three years ago, and uh, you know that was open to the public and sold thousands and, and tried to get money uh, in for Make a Wish Foundation to send a lot of uh, wonderful, you know, uh, children and these great opportunities. Yeah, that was sort of a, a once not I w- I shouldn't say once in a lifetime, but it was a very rare occurrence that we got permission to sell any 501st Legion branded merchandise to the public. Usually that is that's never done. That's I think maybe the second time in my you know time as a Legion member that we've been able to do that. So and obviously it it worked out really well for for our endowment fund because the t-shirt sales were um phenomenal cuz you know the public never usually gets to have any merchandise with our logo on it so that was great and make a wish foundation continues to be one of our uh, primary recipients of uh, the funds that we raise for charity and we're really happy to support them yep wish.org/501stfan we're still collecting donations for them all, you know, year round. So the LDO is a new acronym that probably um, a lot of even Legion members might not be familiar with, but is a new office at the Legion level. I'm not sure if it's really caught on at the garrison level, but that's okay. We're getting there. But it's our, um, there are Legion diversity officers. There's more than one and they most recently uh, partnered with our LPRO team for things like Pride Month um, and any other efforts that that really focus on on diversity, basically, and inclusion. This next one confuses me. I have no idea what uh, LWM or GWM stands for, although I'm pretty sure I know what the L and the G mean. But what is the <laughs> WM? I, I'm clueless. Webmasters. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. And uh, I'm a webmaster myself for a different organization, so uh, I should have recognized that. Shame on me. <laughs> yeah, technically, webmaster is all one word, but so the M doesn't need an abbreviation, but it just looks better that way, especially since all of our other acronyms at the time had been three letters. But Don't you have somebody close by that um, is involved in that? Yep. My my other half is one of the Legion webmasters. Okay. I think he retired from our garrison webmaster, but he used to be that as well. Um, mm-hmm. But basically the folks that keep the public-facing web pages running, as well as any internal 501st Legion forums, um, keep those updated, patched with security thingies and all that jargon that I don't understand. Yeah, we have five of those at the moment. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated than some people think. (laughs) Oh, I bet. (laughs) And every garrison, of course, uh, I believe, uh, you know, there may be exceptions, but uh, most garrisons do have their own set of forums, which is a way for members to communicate with each other and for prospects, you know, prospective members to actually sign up, kind of find out, you know, what they're getting into, uh, get some assistance, you know, find out when armor parties are, uh, you know, in order to get some help with their costumes, et cetera. So it is, uh, has been, I think, the primary method of communication to members, even though Facebook has, you know, I know uh, in many garrisons been a another 
primary, well, not primary, but another key tool to communicating with members. The forums still are like the official you know, way of communicating with everybody because not everybody has Facebook. Right. And the other good thing, at least at the Legion level, is um, all of the forum content is automatically archived. Um, so there is, you know, you can search the main Legion forums at 501st.com and find posts from, uh, I think even the, our Yahoo group is archived there, oh you know, gosh. so you can go back to almost the beginning of the Legion and see people's posts and conversations. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the next one is the GWL, which, um, is the garrison web liaison. Mm-hmm. So they, um, they don't actually uh, work on the website itself or the forums. They're more so a partner with the GML, Garrison Membership Liaison, to make sure that your um, your picture and your membership profile online are how you want them. Um, so if you go on 501st.com and, you know, you look up the different members, there's the, the photos um, that are pictured there of, you know, buckets on and buckets off or not. Also, if you don't want your photo out on there, that's right. something that the garrison can help you with. Um, and all the, the data that's in there. Or your name. Yep. Uh-huh. Privacy levels that you can mm-hmm. check and uncheck. Um, so well, the, the title for web liaison is a little confusing, but that's basically what, what they're in charge of. So who wants to take the next one? Uh, the law enforcement officer. I think that's what this one is. <laughs> sort of, yeah. <laughs> yes. We've all heard of the ILCOG at some level, I believe. Who is it? Well, what is it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's Legion Captains of the Guard, guard or ELCOGs, and then there's also GGs, or Garrison Guards. Um, so both of them are basically who you would go to Either at the garrison level or the legion level, uh, if you if you have some sort of issue with something, you know, and they're kind of the the arbitrators um, to make sure that whatever's going on, we're following the rules of the club and everyone's playing nice with each other, that kind of thing. I think it's also important to say that um, anything kind of that that comes up now in our acronym list isn't necessarily a requirement or a need to have, I believe, in in garrisons on, on, on the garrison level um so far i think everything that we mentioned is sort of um uh, you know to build the infrastructure of a garrison obviously the legion as well but i think whatever comes next now um is not necessarily something that is essential but but can be done can be implemented mm-hmm. i i do love this next acronym gah do you want to I like it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a Klingon uh, uh, snack. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the garrison um, archivist and historian. So we don't have that in Mid-South, for example. Um, so, you know, as the name says, somebody is responsible for keeping track of um, of the garrison's history. You know, who was the CEO, who was the XO, if they want to go all the way down to, you know, who was the the GEC and so on, um, that's fine. Or, or, you know, important events or anything like that is, is definitely, as the garrisons get older, you know, there's a lot more gets gets lost, um, unfortunately. And so I think it's, I think it's an important position to, position to have in there. Somebody who can, who likes to keep track of all these things and maybe 
you know, dig into the past as much as, as, as they can. So that, that's a good one. The guy. <laughs> well, especially, I guess, uh, I think the 501st was founded in 97, right? right. So mm-hmm. that would make next year the 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, technically, if you have, you know, an outpost, so I suppose we should say, you know, all of these acronyms that we're doing for um, garrison level, there's also outpost level. So there's right. like an OCO and an OXO and an OEC. Um, and some of the outposts just aren't large enough to have enough volunteers for all of these positions. So sometimes you do find that, you know, a single person kind of covers all the acronyms, sure. you know, even if they don't have that listed on their on their record. But the larger you get, the more volunteers hopefully you have step up, then you can fill some of these other positions like the the GAI, which is the Garrison Academy Instructor. So there's some units that um, have really made a more formal process of helping out recruits, and they have like a go-to person um, that helps mentor new people um, when they join the garrison. So I know that's something that in my garrison is just kind of an informal thing. You know, if someone joins, they say want, they want to make a specific costume. We're like, hey, who else already has this costume? You want to help this guy? <laughs> you know? But, you know, there's definitely something for to be said for having it, you know, a dedicated person to that t- task. So how does that differ from the GA, the Garrison Armorer? Uh, so it's my understanding the garrisons that have named that position um, is someone who sort of keeps tabs, some, similar to what a GML would do, I suppose. Um, but he keeps tabs like who is the current armor maker for Scout Armor? Who is the current current armor maker oh, okay. for this? Okay. You know, who is so kind of keeping tabs on the prop making industry, so to speak. Not, I shouldn't use the term industry, I suppose. Prop making <laughs> hobby. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, to so that when someone's like, you know, wanting to get into armor, it can, you know, really quickly point them in the right direction. That's okay. I like I said, or like you said, I guess a lot of garrisons don't even utilize any of those positions. But mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of things out there that you can just kind of have volunteers step up for, and they have a cool little acronym like GQ. Yep. Who wouldn't want to be GQ? Everybody wants to be on the cover of GQ. <laughs> but actually, Garrison Quartermaster is uh, a thankless task because you're basically in charge of, you know, keeping tabs on all of the Garrison's stuff. So that's kind of the role that I have in my Garrison is, you know, who's going to bring all of the business cards to the event? Not them. That's me. Who's going to bring, you know, the the tablecloth for the the convention table? Well, that's me. You know, so those kind of things. But with um, larger units, um, you if you have multiple tablecloths or multiple table banners or multiple, you know, uh, those stacking bin thingies to put helmets in, then somebody keeps track of all that. And when they need to be at a certain event and who has them when and when was, you know, when were they last used and where are they now? And so when you have a bigger garrison and lots of stuff to keep track of. That's good. That's what the quartermaster helps out with. Mm -hmm. 
especially if there's such a large territory, you know, uh, where is it? You know, who is it? Where is the next uh, event? Where was the last event? You know, it, it's really good. I can see in those situations to figure out, you know, and keep tabs on who has that equipment and, you know, how can they get it to the next person who needs it for their event? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when we, when Garrison Excelsior first started making you know, vinyl banners to hang behind booths and stuff. Those things were super expensive. Um, so we only had the one for the whole state. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, it's a lot, you know, the fabric um, ones or stuff, they're a little more cost effective. So we can have multiples that, you know, can kind of be stationed out in different areas of the state. Um, but before we had to like keep track and make sure, you know, where does it need to go next? Who's going to bring it there? That kind of stuff. So then we have um, the SLs and the DLs, which are the squad leaders and the detachment leaders. Um, So squads, depending on their size, they might also have some of these other, you know, positions that are kind of duplicated at the the garrison level. Um, And detachment leaders nowadays, they have their own webmasters and PR teams and and stuff like that. Um, They don't have... GECs, though, because events are not handled by the detachment, but a lot of the other positions are, um, are duplicated in some of, as you go down the, the different subunits. Like in, in Mid-South, we have four squads just because our state is pretty wide. And so we have, you know, isolated, you know, clusters, so to say. So we have Memphis in the West and we have Knoxville in the East and Nashville. Um, in the middle and then Chattanooga in the south. So these are all squads. And so we, in, in our garrison, it's like the squad leader is also the, 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 the GEC, the event coordinator. Um, so he, they can coordinate with, with their, um, squad members and then, um, you know, put the troops up on the, on the forums or the, um, the Facebook pages. So that's kind of what we have, um, Organized, you know, if you look at, if you look at the uh, roster of, of garrisons, um, on the Legion website, you can see, you know, some are more condensed, some are pretty big. Uh, it's also depending on the size, obviously, of the garrison, but, um, we kind of combine the squad leader and the GC as, as one. And that should cover most of the acronyms that we wanted to cover today. You might hear these, uh, quite a bit. You might not hear of them at all, but it does take a lot of effort to, you know, to, for each garrison and, and outpost and detachment to, to run their area of the 501st Legion. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we really couldn't do it without all those volunteers. I mean, we're all volunteers, but especially, you know, hats off to everybody who does volunteer to take on these positions and really help the, keeping the organization uh, running in such an effective manner. So that way they can, you know, take on these duties and, you know, for the benefit of all the, the volunteers, all the members, all the, uh, you know, just the, the you know, uh, people who are going out there and um, supporting all the events that we do. Yeah. I mean, similarly, I hope this is, you know, a kind of a prompt for some of our listeners. If you thought about volunteering other than basically the GCO and the GXO and I guess the squad leader and the detachment leader, which are elected positions, uh, everything else is volunteers stepping up. And mm-hmm. it's not a, a single position like marcus says he has you know five webmasters it's there's not just you know one person for that slot so no no gcs yeah well um, i don't i don't have oh you mean the legion yes sorry the webmaster yeah you 
said you had like five webmasters. So, you know, just because someone else in your garrison, you know, might have a title doesn't mean that you can't help out with that, that role. So. Actually, the Legion, the Legion has five webmasters. Sorry. I, I didn't clarify that. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, but still there's, there's always room for more volunteers, basically. Mm-hmm. So, for this episode's Catching Up with Our Honoring Members segment, we're offering uh, congrats to Dominic Pace, a.k.a. Gecko the Bounty Hunter in The Mandalorian. The mayor of the city of Houston put out a proclamation that June 23rd is Dominic Pace Day. How awesome is that? And also, the list of stars who will be added to the Hollywood's Walk of Fame next year, in 2022, was released this month, and Star Wars fans are very thrilled that Carrie Fisher is finally getting her star. And other Star Wars celebs (laughs) on the list of honorees are Ming-Na Wen and Ian McGregor. Congrats. Yeah, as much as, you know, we all know Carrie Fisher for, you know, our princess, she was also, of course, a, you know, quite well-known script doctor in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, she would do a lot of effort on just getting scripts, uh, you know, inserting different things and strengthening relationships and things. And, you know, related to that, I, I noticed that there's a uh, prop store auction this month and they are auctioning off Carrie Fisher's annotated script for uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And it's really interesting to see how many uh, things that she put into her own, you know, copy of the script that actually made it into the final, uh, you know, uh, filmed movie. You know, Mm -hmm. just things like the interactions between uh, Leia and Han in the corridor, you know, how, um, you know, his hands are dirty, you know, that whole conversation. It's amazing how much she cleaned that up. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, she, just such a, a fantastic, um, uh, role that she played in Hollywood and, and even let's say on the empire strikes back, I was very impressed by. Mm-hmm. Hey, star Wars fans, Jimmy Mack here, rebel force radio host and honorary member of the 501st Legion. You're listening to the latest Imperial propaganda on the 501st cast long live the empire. And now a word from one of our sponsors. Are intense battles wearing your lightsaber down? Or do you ever find yourself in a situation where sudden maintenance is required and you have little time before your assailants are coming your way? Having difficulty keeping your weapon clean because you had to fight your way out of a sarlacc's belly? Who knows? Maybe you accidentally dropped it into Bantha Poodoo. As any Force user understands, we all want an easier way to keep our weapons clean. Greetings. I'm Jedi Master Damocles. Like any lightsaber professional knows, multiple opposition and intense battles can give your lightsaber quite a workout. Which is why I use Yoda. The secret to my success. There's no other lightsaber polish like it in the whole galaxy. This is an actual demonstration. Simply hold down the spray, let go and satisfy, and the formula does all the work by itself. Look at that. Even the toughest particles fall away. And see here, 
Even the most stubborn stains are vanished without harming the original paint job. Nothing comes close to Yoda. No leading brand can compare. Even one's most determined opponents agree that it's powerful stuff. All right, then. Watch out for that lightsaber. Freeze. Don't move. (laughs) The hilt is brighter than the blade. I can't see the target. What's the difference? Even if you could, you guys can't shoot a thing anyway. Yoda, the number one brand in lightsaber polish. Usage of this product is illegal within Imperial territories. Mission reports. Empire City Garrison attended a special World Down Syndrome Day event for Alexander's Angels on Saturday, April 10th, virtually over Zoom. The charity had planned a road rally for March that was unfortunately canceled due to COVID-19, but they wanted to celebrate World Down Syndrome Day in some way this year. ECG has supported many of their events over the past decade, including past um, WDSD events and their Buddy Walk, and they wanted to make sure to participate in this event, too. Chris, TB6744, and Chip, CD80188, hopped on Zoom to attend. They asked participants three rounds of various Star Wars trivia questions and offered up some Star Wars jokes to the over 60 participants of the event. The event also featured information on Down Syndrome research, art and music projects, and their Zumba dance troupe in some pre-recorded segments. It was a great time for everyone, and the participants were very engaged and really enjoyed the experience. On May the 4th, our 501st Luxembourg Outpost, together with Rebel Legion's Jakku Outpost Luxembourg, visited the sick children of the Connor Clinic CHL Hospital and distributed lots of gifts containing the fours. Volunteering were SL55247 as Vader, TK47777 as a stormtrooper, and DS20370 as her alter ego of Princess Leia. Outpost CO ID47967 attended as a squire. What a great way to celebrate Star Wars Day, and better yet, it was the first time the outpost was able to make a hospital visit. Well, on May the 4th, Empire City Garrison deployed TK-35811 to Poughkeepsie, New York, for Adrian's Library's Star Wars Day event. Although trooping as a large group of fellow customers is fun, sometimes going it alone and being the center of attention is a lot of fun, too. This was one of those events. The solo trooper had a great time playing ring toss with the kids and taking pictures with the children and the staff. Thanks to TK-35811 for that report from ECG's Hudson Valley Squad. Although our Israel outpost only has six members on the roster, they made a big impact in the lives of over 80 children and their families from Takuma last month when TK51948 visited them at an event hosted by the Jerusalem deputy mayor. Takuma is just seven kilometers from the Gaza border, so these children have been forced to spend much of their time in bomb shelters. This event was a welcome change and we'll have a link in our show notes to an article from the Jerusalem Post that includes some pictures from the troop. On the afternoon of June 6th, Empire City Garrison attended the Long Island Take Steps for Crohn's and Colitis Road Rally. Three ECG members, plus their guest from Mountain Garrison, Crystal DZ32287, were joined by members of the Rebel Legion's Echo Base and Saber Guild's Endor Temple to help add to the excitement of the event. 
This was a fundraiser for Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of Long Island, and this year they did a road rally instead of their usual walk. They had cars drive through the parking lot and had, had activities and giveaways at various stations. The cars would kind of drive through and be greeted at each station. The ECG was, of course, trooping the Star Wars station. It was an extremely hot day, though, around 97 degrees Fahrenheit. But thankfully, the event organizers gave our members some water and moved them to a station which was under a tree, which helped tremendously. The participants were excited to see our members, and many of them had their cars decorated for the event. Troopers interacted with each car, giving out trading cards and taking photos in some cases, and the event was very well attended. And our members had a great time, and in spite of the heat, it was a fun day, and they were proud to support the charity. Hi, this is Stephen Stanton, honorary member of the 501st, and you're listening to the 501st Cast. Well, we have a bit of a surprise guest, if uh, we can call it that, here for this segment on the 501st Cast, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce him. He is a former podcast co-host of mine on another podcast, Star Wars Podcast, we did a decade ago, and you know what? I'm glad to have him back here with us on the 501st Cast. He is TS4142 from the Mid-South Garrison, known colloquially as Alex, and he is a, a very old friend of mine, and uh, glad to have you here on here, buddy. How are you doing? Doing fine, but Joe, we actually did two podcasts. Oh, we did, yes. Yeah, we did uh, TFG1 Talk Radio, Transformers uh, Generation 1 Talk Radio, yeah. I remember that. Uh, and, uh, well, that didn't last very long. <laughs> you see, guys, I had a condition, uh, that I would refer to back then called Sith Timers. Uh, and, uh, whenever I would, uh, you know, brain lapse and, uh, well, apparently I just did again. Well, thank you for pointing that out. Very welcome, my friend. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about, as I'm sure, uh, Nikki and everyone else will attest, uh, you had some ideas for us, Alex, uh, about, uh, trooping advice and things like that. And, uh, well, um, I think we have some questions for you. You have some questions for us. Nikki, um, how did you want to, uh, go about, uh, discussing this, uh, topic of discussion that we have here? Uh, so the first question that I had seen that Alex had posed to us that I thought would be a good, um, conversation starter, um, you, Alex, had posted to your Facebook page asking fellow members, how do they get into character? So I thought that was that was a pretty good thing that we could talk about. People who do does face characters such as Maul, Dooku, or Tyrannus, Vader, uh, Talarin, Boba Fett. How do you get into mood to do your character? For example, I mean, when I dress as soft or pre-armor Vader, I think of all the people who has caused me hurt over the years and pain. I just kind of embrace it and just it makes me feel you know hate and anger so how do people get into their face character mode interesting so you bring that now that's pretty deep now you bring that with you to troops okay and what and okay suppose you're going to a happy troop a happy event uh like a convention or something and and i know you one of your costumes is uh little orphan annie uh, you know anakin skywalker or darth vader pre-armor darth vader is the official term so uh do you when you wear that um you bring all of that inner real life inner turmoil with you seriously uh, well, yes, I do, but when I make a kid happy, it all goes away. Interesting. 
Interesting indeed. Now, I have uh, an episode one slash episode two, pre-scarring Sidious. Uh, and, uh, I, I, although Sidious doesn't quite talk this way when, you know, at that point in the movies, I, I, uh, I imagine that. That's kind of how I get into character because Sidious is, uh, my favorite character. When I was a kid, of course, it was Luke, but, you know, I'm older and wiser now and I see the error of my ways from back then and Sidious is the man. But, uh, so when I, get into character myself, I think of how Sidious was in the movies. Not so much the pre-scarring, but um, the way he was in Return of the Jedi and uh, Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I uh, really like Sidious, and so I just kind of imagine how he would be, not towards kids, obviously, and not towards other people, but just his personality. And and, uh, so I kind of dress myself both literally and figuratively as Sidious, if that makes sense. yeah, and uh, so that that's me. And then, of course, I have the pilots. Well, they, they're just in the background anyway. <laughs> and, you know, I don't take it all with me. I mean, like I said, when I make someone smile, it's worth it. But I don't bring the anger and hate at, at troops. I just, I just, that's the best way I can get into character mode. Especially, you know, especially, I'll never forget, and I don't want to cause any problems with this so hopefully this doesn't cause any problems i had one kid that celebration in anaheim in 2015 came up to me and said you're nothing but a child murderer uh-huh and right and of course that was uh maybe they were trying to be funny maybe they thought it was cute but you know things like that are not funny exactly i mean I mean, you kind of, especially if you do a face character, and I'll be honest, over the years I've been taught a lot of things, you know, over the uh, I was uh, cyber-bullied because of my size, which I've lost 150-something pounds in a year um, because of health issues. But, you know, you hear things, and you, you just have to let it go off your back. <laughs> but, you know, that's something, you you know, you're not really... You're not accustomed to hearing. You know, you see it on Facebook, you know, and Anakin was, you know, he he was a child murderer, blah, blah, blah. I'm not here to badmouth the prequels. I mean, I personally love all Star Wars, one through nine, including the Clone Wars and Rebels and uh, even the Bad Batch, which I haven't seen the last week's episode yet. But, you know, I love all Star Wars. I mean... I mean, I, this hobby that we love has really opened my eyes to not just the franchise, but got to meet a lot of, of the actors and actresses that have played in the movie. And I'm hoping one day that I should shake the hand of George Lucas himself to open his, because it was his, I'm trying to think of a good way to put this, his vision that we have embraced to carry on his legacy. Yeah, you're right. The movies that created. You're absolutely right. It's up to all of us to carry that forward. Uh, and uh, Nikki, how do you carry that forward? Um, is there? Uh, but you're primarily a Jawa, is that right? How do you get into character as a Jawa? Uh, so yeah, although I'm not a face character per se, so people don't have a a really set, you know, preconceived notion of exactly how Jawas should act. But you know, they they're usually kind of characterized as somewhat silly. Um, so often, 
you know, I'd go like kind of steal random little things or trade little things with people. Um, and the big thing that I have found that I cannot troop without is my, my sound effects. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of kids will expect me to talk or do some sort of verbal response, even if they don't understand what it is. If I don't say anything at all, it just kind of breaks the illusion. Um, so I definitely have my, my sound effects going when I'm trooping and I just, I kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. I move faster. I don't know. I, I like move more jittery than I would, you know, normally I just try to be like more hyperactive or something when I'm a Jawa. Um, although sometimes one of my other favorite things to do as a Jawa though is to not move at all. I will just sit next to R2 wherever R2 is parked. Um, because an, something, another prop that we usually always bring to our troops is a Jawa costume on a mannequin. So they won't be able to tell, you know, which one are they both mannequins? Are they both real? You know, well, what's going to happen? Um, because the mannequin that we have is one of those Halloween decorations where, um, it kind of has a motion sensor. So it'll wobble a little bit if someone sets off the motion sensor. So it, it's moving, but it's not real. I'm moving, but am I real? So it's, that's a lot of fun is to like <laughs> trick people to try to figure out, you know, if they can figure out if I'm real or not. So. So I guess that's how I, I get into characters. I just I try to be more playful and and hyperactive. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, you're uh, you're a TK, aren't you? No, uh, a, a TB and a TI. So biker okay. scout and a tie pilot, a fellow TI. I should have known. Okay. Yeah. Well, we we like our ties, but I'm done. So uh, um, okay, all right. Enjoying Latin very much. So did target practice. <laughs> yeah, we do like to blow apart, don't we? So, um, exactly. okay. So, how do you get into a character as as one of those? Of course, you're 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 covered up. You have buckets. So, uh, I imagine it probably doesn't take too much effort. You know, it depends on the event, really. Um, when I am, say, like walking around a place, you know, I definitely change my my stance, my gait. Um, suck in my gut, uh, <laughs> and really try to feel like I was, you know, a, a member of the empire. Just, you know, where just if somebody saw me walking down the street, for example, it kind of looks like, you know, somebody who has that, uh, who has that training in them. Um, but also if I do an event like, uh, you know, we used to do, uh, Legoland in Carlsbad, California. And, uh, it, at that one, you know, it's more about interaction with the public. And so I end up it, one of the things I love about the Biker Scout is it it's the white armor that is, you know, very recognizable. But it allows me to kneel down, get really, you know, up close to, uh, you know, to having a conversation with a child. And I've got my, uh, you know, my speaker microphone so I actually can have conversations with them. So in those situations, I tend to think of myself more as a you know, that the Empire, there's nothing wrong with the Empire. The Empire are the ones bringing peace to the galaxy. And it's those, you know, dirty rebels. They're the ones causing all the trouble. So, uh, it, you know, I come from a place of, oh, yeah, we're doing a community outreach. You know, we're here just to put a friendly face, you know, and there's been some stories going around about us. And, you know, we're here to meet people and and just uh, see 
you know, a, you know, put on a friendly face to the empire and do some community outreach, show people that, yeah, we're not the bad guys. We're just, you know, that's just rebel propaganda. You know, <laughs> that's right. Our faces are so, uh, our faces are so friendly. We have to cover them up. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> and another troop, I was just pay attention where you're standing sometimes when you're trooping because I'm guilty of not paying attention to my surroundings. I was, I was, we were at a, a World of Wheels car show and this guy asked me if I could pose for in front of his car and I said, sure. But I didn't pay attention to what was behind me. There was a Confederate butterfly behind me. So I asked him if he could mind me down on the other side and let me get on the other side. Yeah, very important, you know, especially with, uh, you know, the rules we have to follow, such as, uh, you know, I'm in San Diego. So, you know, we do San Diego Comic Con and, uh, you know, there's a lot of vendors, uh, you know, in that area. And, you know, people will say, oh, come into my booth, take a picture, you know, and they want to use that in their social media and stuff. So you got to make sure that you're not. Uh, looking like you're promoting a product or, you know, get, you know, being right behind their logo, et cetera. So it's definitely, uh, I agree with you. You definitely have to def- watch what is around you or at least have a handler or a wrangler, you know, nearby to kind of help with that and position people. Definitely mm-hmm. now because of the new rules for trooping. <laughs> exactly. So this was years ago. So yeah, I didn't want that photo of me standing behind a confederate battle flag get out on me even then mm-hmm. yeah your uh, garrison uh, commanding officer would probably get a, a notice from lucasfilm pretty quick hey is this yours you know um, <laughs> we got to do something <laughs> about me. this yeah. <laughs> well yeah i think there's more trooping advice to come but i think that is uh of all of it that's probably the uh, best advice of course, is to be mindful of your surroundings. And if you're in a parade, don't walk behind horses by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's those filthy jawas you got to watch out. I mean, not jawas, but... Uh, I was going to say, hey! Stop there, I meant to say do bad. Marcus, how does a TK get into character? Uh, do you go to a range, a shooting range, and miss the target? How do you, uh, sorry, I had to throw that in there. Uh, that is also a joke that's very recurring during troops. I'll bet. Um, about the, uh, either it's, uh, too short, which I'm not, um, or, <laughs> you know, missing targets, but, um, it's a combination of what, what, uh, what Nikki said and, and, and what Todd was saying is, is, um, I think having a, literally a voice is important. You know, you have your microphone, you have your, your icon that, um, distorts your voice to, you know, to sound like, um, the stormtroopers from the movie. So it's definitely, um, you know, recommended, I guess, um, to, you know, if, if possible, obviously to have that. Um, it just, it just brings you more into character. People, really like do a double take when they hear you talk and it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, you just sound just like, uh, from the movie. Um, and then like Todd said, the a certain stance or gait or posture, uh, just kind of mimic what you see on screen. And, but also at the same time have a good understanding of, you know, who you're, who you're dealing with, I guess, on your troops. Um, if you visit, you know, a good prime example, if you visit a children's hospital, you know, you can be, but I guess more loose about yourself, about the character. You know, you, you shouldn't be, you know, in case of a TK, just not stand there and not say anything, but just be, you know, empathetic to, to the cause. And, um, whereas other troops where you maybe have more TKs, you're more of a, it's more, I guess, 
you know, people, I guess, expect to be more organized, you know, have more TKs standing at attention or, um, it's just really, you have to kind of adapt to what you're doing in essence. Um, still stay in character, but, but still, um, you know, represent the, the remark is sometimes people with buckets are lucky, especially on some trips. I'll never forget one of my trips that I did for another group. We visited the kids at the Knoxville Children's Hospital and, mm-hmm. and there was this little boy who was in, just came out of surgery and he was, you know, a little loopy. And uh, Joe, I don't think I've ever told you this story, but he, uh, I went, uh, they asked if, if I would go in and talk to this kid. I said, sure. And, uh, I talked to him for a few minutes in my, uh, uh, I'm sorry, but Jedi costume. And, um, I went there and talked to him for a few minutes and I let him hold my lightsaber and, and told him to hit the button. It lit up and his face lit up and he was so happy and smiling. And they said, thank you. That made it a lot easier for us mm-hmm. when we go in there. I said, why? What's wrong if I may? I said, well, he doesn't know, but his mom and dad died in the car wreck that he was in. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's when you glide your door. Wish you had a mask to hide your emotions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm always, uh, I've only done one hospital troop, uh, in all the years that I've been trooping, either with the Legion or with other clubs. And, uh, I was always jealous of those that had buckets on their faces because you do, uh, I think it's almost inevitable that you're going to get emotional. And, uh, uh, at least with a bucket on, they can't see you, uh, welling up, uh, Mm -hmm. behind there. And that was hard. I mean, going to see other kids after they told me that, I was, uh, so I had to put on the, you know, the, this is before I had the Anakin costume, so I had to put the feelings aside and try to, you know, be chipper and all that stuff. But as soon as you heard that note, that news, it's just like, oh, you feel so sorry. But to this day, I don't know exactly how that kid's doing. But I'll never forget one time, and if I start getting emotional, I'm sorry. But there's one trip I'll never forget that happened in 2010. This kid sees stormtroopers and Vader and R2. He just wants to see a Jedi. And Joe, I know you know this story. Knows this Patrick? And, yeah. Yeah, this is my buddy Patrick. Um, I walked out wearing my Jedi costume. His face just lit up. And ever since then, I was that kid's to call their mom and dad their Jedi, his, their son's Jedi protector. And <laughs> I was that kid. That kid always made my day every time he was at a troop. And, he had something called osteogenesis imperfecta. It's called brittle bone disease. And, I mean, I can't put it the right words, because if I do, I'll put it emotional. <laughs> but Patrick was my little buddy. I mean, he got a house redone by a stream makeover in 2010 and 2011. And it's on uh YouTube. And I'll send you guys a YouTube link if you want me to. But um he was my little buddy. And... And he died of about 2016 and our squad was, um, carried his casket to his final resting place and I missed the little guy. That's right. I had forgotten that, um, uh, your, your squad was there. They were pallbearers and they, uh, um, they were there at his funeral. It was very touching that you were able, not just you, but your entire squad, but you especially, Alex, were able to touch that child's short life in such a way that it made a profound impact. And I think that's the main reason we do what we do, or at least hopefully it is. Definitely. So I think that's a, a good 
reason to get in a character right there. Oh, yeah. Uh, another one of my face characters is not a, it's uh, Tyler Wren. I just think of, you know, I'm an only child, so I know what Ben's gone through. <laughs> so I just, you know, I never had tantrums like he did, but I just embrace, you know, the Ben Solo side of me, which I say that my name has no meaning to me. Now, Alex, you've had a number of costumes over the years, so I'm not quite sure how to ask you this next question. Uh, but what made you decide on the costume you wanted? So uh, I don't know if you're going to go through your whole wardrobe there, but um, maybe pick a few and, and uh, maybe your favorites. And, and what made you decide on those? I don't mind going over them. I mean, I was my first, first costume was my Snow Trooper TS-4142. Um, later, it was my first, actually, first costume was a Jedi costume that I made it. <laughs> but the back at it now, I'm like, ugh. But, you know, always first costumes are always the worst, to be honest. Uh, no offense to the person who helped me make it, but then I, I said, okay, I'm sad. I got a, if I, you know, I got a bad guy costume, I got a good guy. I'm not saying which is a good guy, I'm not saying which one's a bad guy, but and then I, another friend of mine actually built me a better Jedi costume and, but later on I did a rebel pilot, just orange. No offense there, ties. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get our revenge later. Um, but, uh, okay. And, uh, so you know, what prompted you to do the rebel I, pilot? I'm curious. I, I don't know if I'm going to do another costume. I mean, I lost this weight. I'm, I have to readjust all my new costumes. Uh-huh. I've got a super car. I'm hoping the costume will fit me. Well, that's right. You have a Kylo too. So what brought on, let's go back to the rebel pilot. Why would you want to be a rebel? What, what brought on the whole rebel pilot thing? We can forgive the Jedi. You said the first costume is always the worst. I'll give you that. You, okay. But what about the rebel pilot here? What that I have heard uh, yeah. that growing up being a star Wars fan, you know, my uh-huh. first star Wars film was empire strikes back. And, you know, you you later I'll never forget. I actually was sitting down on the couch waiting on Friday night, waiting for the Dukes of Hazard to moment. <laughs> uh, they showed Star Wars on CBS, and on that night, and I was kind of upset, but I found out it was the very first Star Wars film. So I just saw Empire a few weeks before, and just something about the orange just drew me to it. <laughs> to I've honest. heard that those Rebel pilot outfits can be as difficult to put together as a Vader uh, in the in the five hundred first here. So uh, uh, that's no small task. You can do most of it yourself. A friend of mine actually helped me with the helmet. I mean, I mean, yeah, I've spent a small fortune on costumes. But I'll be honest with, you, and I've said this many times. Yeah, they're expensive. I mean, for example, my my talent, me my. Anakin boots were four hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. But I'll say this much: every penny I have put in my costume, when I might see a kid or an overgrown kid smile, it makes everything worth it. Absolutely, yep, makes every penny worth it. And of course, you know, it's an investment uh, for that very reason. That's that that's the investment is to uh, put a smile on a kid's face and brighten someone else's day. But you obviously, you're we're not looking as. Uh, 
uh, members of the Legion here to go out and purchase a costume entirely unless you're born wealthy or something. But it's as in any investment, it's little by little. You get a little piece here, the boots one day, the next day you get another piece of the costume so that over time you've got your investment all together. You could put it together, you know, in the end, I think. Um, it's probably the best thing. Never put it together all at once because you're probably going to end up doing something wrong. And of course, that's what de- detachments are for. And if, if there's one place you're going to spend some extra money, it, one place you know that you don't really want to cheap out on is boots. You're going to be standing so often at troops, and you know just having uncomfortable, sore, tired, you know, uh, feet, uh, you know, from Blisters. trooping, you know, <laughs> is not fun. So putting in some some you know comfortable, uh, you know, boots, you know, is really a, a good investment. Absolutely. What I always tell people about boots is also at the end of every troop, I mentioned this, I have something called a protocol that I go through. And before the troop, I would wipe down all the, like my, I don't know how to use my snow trooper for on this, wipe down all the armor pieces with antibacterial wipes before the event and even after the events and, mm-hmm. um, wipe it down. It will keep the, the, the yuckies away, the viruses and stuff, and also it will be sanitized for kids to, you know, touch certain plot parts. But also on your boots, put some type like baby powder or some type of top powder in the boots to, cause it'll not only keep your feet from stinky or stinking, but, uh, it will also help, you know, preserve the boots longer. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, um, my boots are, uh, for, for both costumes, for Sidious as well as the tie. Of course, they're jack boots and mm-hmm. Imperial officers wear those. And, uh, I roll up a towel and, uh, in each one, I insert the towel into the boots. That way they're not flopping over to the sides when they're in storage. They're, they're standing straight up. I think it, it's, uh, helped preserve their, they still look brand new and I've had them for uh, many years. Uh, and I, I think Leather that helps conditioning, them. Joe. Leather conditioning helps too. Yep, absolutely. Marcus, why a TK? Why why a Stormy? Why would you uh, have to go out there and and uh, be one of the troops? Why why couldn't you be top dog like Sidious? I'm I'm. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, this started. I think this started before the first even was founded. Um, so you know, I'm I'm, I'm taking you all back to 1990. Five, okay. Um, oh, gee, I've been so long ago. That's the year I graduated high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was some sort of promotional event in, in Germany, um, and for gosh, it must have been a VHS release back then, Star Wars something. Um, anyway, they had also a life size X Wing around, so there were two stormtroopers, um, you know, in costume, uh, just walking about and I was I was like, oh my gosh, this is like right off the screen. This is amazing. And, you know, this was these were obviously paid actors by by uh, I'm guessing, you know, by Lucasfilm or um but then, you know, and then years later, I mean I didn't join until two thousand and fourteen, but um during Celebration um two in Indianapolis in two thousand two, I saw the five oh first for the first time and um I was, you know, again, I was, I was amazed this time, not just two, but, you know, hundreds. And most of them were, were TKs. So, and since that is kind of my favorite, uh, or most iconic character, I guess, um, that I associate with, with Star Wars is, uh, it was a logical choice for me to, to pursue that. 
when when my time came to join the legion so that's that's kind of the story there um from 1995 onward <laughs> yep. I, I had something similar to me happen with me there mm-hmm. martis mm-hmm. Uh, i had original jedi like i said we won't talk about it <laughs> um and we were doing a trip at a convention called Chattaton, and uh, the Mid-South Garrison came down to help with us with it, and um, Corey Miller, who's now in Minneapolis, said, so, you got a Jedi, why don't you join the the true heroes of the galaxy? And I'm like, well, okay, uh, what do you mean? He said, join us in the Empire, and I'm like, well, I don't really consider myself an Empire person, but okay. <laughs> so, Within the next two years, uh, he helped me, uh, taught me into doing a snow trooper, which was, like I said, my first Imperial costume. And still have it to this day. Granted, it needs a lot of work. I need to get some new armor, but <laughs> it's still, I still wear it to this day. In fact, I, uh, if I think it, I'm going to take uh, two costumes tomorrow. If it rains, I'm going to get into my snow trooper gear. I imagine that would be a good one to wear in the rain. I mean, Sidious doesn't do very well in the rain. I mean, the hood helps, but uh, yeah, the, the rest of the outfit, uh, let's just say it soaks up water very nicely. Um, uh, Nikki, does your Jawa soak up water really nicely in the rain? <laughs> and why oh, a Jawa? Yeah. Why, why a Jawa? Yeah, I found out uh, when I trooped a St. Patrick's Day parade that it, it soaks up the uh, water quite nicely. Um. <laughs> And and then as a result, it kind of washed out a little bit of the dye around the bottom edge. So it's kind of interesting. It was like instant weathering a little bit. So it, <laughs> it all worked out in the end. Um, so why a Jawa? Well, because I'm under five foot tall and it just seemed the, <laughs> the logical choice. <laughs> um, the other reason was that um, I was eight months pregnant when I took my membership photos and while I was pregnant while I was working on the costume and it was one of the ones that was a lot more forgiving <laughs> as far as size wise. So I could wear it while I was pregnant and it would it was still the same size. I just had to like kind of drape the robes differently um, when I was not pregnant. So, so it worked out pretty well. Um, that is strangely my only 501st costume. I've been working forever on an officer, but haven't finished it yet. And then I have a Jedi. It's my first costume. Um, but I could never, I was never good at staying in character as a Jedi. I, I don't know. I just, I would just talk to people. I'm so used to talking to people at like a recruitment conversation that I just, I could not come up with any like pithy replies to people as a Jedi. Just, I was constantly breaking character and I don't know. I just couldn't get into it. So the Jawa works much better for me because I don't have to talk. And so I won't break character. <laughs> You've um, got um, buttons then, to do the talking for you. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I did also end up making a, a pregnant Padme costume. Um, I think I only wore it like twice though. Um, it was her, it was like the green velvet gown, um, where she has the, the ringlets in her hair and she's kind of like wistfully looking out the window. Uh, I think 
while Anakin is murdering the younglings, I think that's what the scene was that that dress is from. Um, I just really liked the color, the, the green color velvet. So that's what I ended up going with, but I had, I retired that one. Um, although during its retirement, there was another lady in my garrison who was pregnant. So she got to use it as well. So that worked out pretty well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's why I mostly picked uh, my costumes, I guess, is physical considerations. Um, not that that's a, a requirement by any means for 501st or Rebel Legion membership, but it just seemed to work out well for me. Todd, you're a biker and a pilot, so I take it uh, you like to move fast and fly and things like that. Uh, I like to move it, move it. <laughs> uh, well, on the 501st side, yeah, I am a biker scout, tie pilot, you know, tie reserve. But uh, actually, I have several Rebel costumes as well. I've got uh, a Rebel pilot, X-Wing pilot. Um, I've Yay. got uh, three uh, versions of Han Solo. Nice. And, uh, well, and because of the Rebel pilot, I've also got Wilro Hood. Yes. So I am, I am approved for that one as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I like to, um, what, what was that, Alex? Carrying around that ice cream maker. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a lot of fun being able to choose the costume based on the event and based on what other people are wearing. Many times, you know, if, uh, especially in, like in San Diego, we don't have a lot of Rebel Legion members. So, Quite often, you know, if we only have like one Jedi signed up for an event or something, I'll, you know, I'll choose to be the rebel pilot as well, just so there's not one rebel character that all the Imperials are going to pick on, you know, or, uh, it, it, how much I need to move, whether it's going to be indoors or outdoors. It's nice to have that selection where you can kind of focus things in, um, based on, you know, different criteria like that. Uh, but, um, as far as why I got into them, honestly, the Biker Scout was my first choice, my first love. Uh, it is my favorite costume. And uh, mainly, I mean, Return of the Jedi, um, you know, was my favorite Star Wars movie when I was a kid. And so it, I just had a, a kinship to that. Plus, I do ride a motorcycle in real life. So which is, of course, a lot like the uh, the speeder bikes. So I just I felt a real kind of uh, connection to the Biker Scout character. You know, for some reason, Todd, you just don't strike me as a biker kind of guy, but uh, aside from the armor. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, to, to be fair, I mean, it's not a Harley. I don't go out with, uh, you know, or leather chaps or anything like that, you know, but, um, you know, more of a, a, a sport tour type, you know. Hey, one quick thing about the Anakin costume. The reason I made it, even though the, there were some people thinking I shouldn't do it because at that time I was close to 400 pounds. Um, I did it for one reason, one reason only. I mentioned it earlier. Earlier, uh, it was because of uh, Patrick, his favorite character, other than me, because he even said that on the news things. They said, uh, of all the characters, who do you have a favorite? He looked pointed by me and said, Alice the Jedi. Um, <laughs> favorite character was Anakin, so who better to be his Jedi protector than his favorite character? And that's why you chose Anakin, was specifically for Patrick. I remember that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, it's for me to this day to wear that costume because I think of him every time I wear it. Um, that being said, what are some of your favorite troops? Let's make this a, a quick around the table. Some of the other things on here we've already touched on, like baby powder in the boots. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't sweat your feet, don't sweat so much. And, and uh, yeah, I, I get that. You know, the antibacterial wipes, you know, keep those yucky germs away. So, uh, quickly around, let's, let's go Alex, then Marcus, and then Nikki, and then Todd. 
Uh, real quickly, uh, Alex, what what are your favorite troops here? What what's your favorite kind of troop of 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 them all? Fiddle visits, especially seeing kids in the hospital because they're either there because they are had an accident or they're there because of uh fill in the blanks, you know, cancer or whatever, but you're there to brighten their day and that's my favorite trip is to make them happy and smile and saying that there are people out there that cares about them. Absolutely. Marcus? Yeah, I can only echo that what Alex said. No, we don't have that many troops whatsoever uh that touches you know, in the hospital visits. I've I've been, you know, in the Legion since what, fourteen and we've I've had one one visit. So um, when those come around, uh, they are definitely, uh, you know, emotional, obviously, as, as we talked before. But this is something that um, is definitely close to my heart. So I have I have three boys. So, you know, and luckily they're healthy. But, you know, whenever, again, whenever we, we do visit sick children, it's like it gets really, really close to close to my heart. So those... Those are good, you know. I wouldn't call them sad troops, but those are really um, kind of, kind of like the reason why we do this, you know, mm -hmm. in, in essence. Nikki, what kind of troops do you enjoy the most? Um, I think recently I've really found a love for the maker fairs. Um, we've done done a couple of them, mini maker fairs and and larger city maker fairs. And I think it's, it's like, I don't know, exciting. Like my excitement gets amplified when I see the kids' excitement when they realize, um, how things are made. And, um, especially with, the, we always bring the droids along with us as well. Um, I don't know. I just, I like to, to help share the excitement of, of the costume creation part and, and then also explaining what we get to do while we're in our costume. Um, so that's, that's been my favorite thing recently is, is kind of the behind this, giving other people a behind the scenes look on, you know, how we get to the point that we look like we just came off of the screen and that it's not, uh, like totally un unobtainable thing is, you know, especially with the 3D printers, which we're, we're at maker fairs, there's usually booths all around us with, with 3D printers going, um, that people can realize that some of these bits and, and bobs from our costumes are now things that they could print on their printers at home. So it's kind of interesting that, uh, I mean, you know, you would think that you were breaking the illusion sometimes, but I think a lot of the, the kids that we talk to, like, you know, five or 10 years down the road, they might be Legion members because they remember, you know, meeting us and, and seeing our excitement on, on what we've done. Mm -hmm. So that's been my favorite thing recently. Well, Todd, uh, I, it, it, we're back to you again. Um, so what kind of troop does a, a biker guy and, and a pilot uh, enjoy the most? So uh, like how I said earlier, that I really enjoy really being able to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a kid, you know, just, you know, to show that friendlier face to the empire and uh, just kind of kneel down, have a conversation with them. And, you know, it can be really interesting sometimes because, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times we're seen as the bad guys and the kids aren't sure. Are we there to, you know, cause trouble or pain or you know are we friendly you know and to, to be able to 
watch a, a kid go from that kind of standoffish, not sure moment to realizing that, hey, you know, he's, you know, just a guy and, and, uh, is somebody that he can, you know, the child can talk to and not be afraid. Those kind of moments are, are just, you know, wonderful to, to be able to see in a child's eyes. We had so many moments like that, uh, for almost 10 years, since 2011. Um, we, we, um, going back to the orphanage story again here, but, um, in 2011, I started an annual visit to an orphanage in Pasadena and we got all the clubs involved. And moments like you just described, um, were prevalent throughout the entire visit. Um, kids who uh, have gone through the worst kinds of things uh, that you can imagine, uh, that's why they're there. They're all wards of the state for one re- reason or another. And and so the, these kids, they're very timid. And uh, those barriers were broken down when uh, a biker scout or an imperial officer would just bend over or kneel down and uh, uh, do a high five or start talking. And some of these kids would really open up. Some wouldn't, some, but a lot would. And um, one of my favorite moments was uh, uh, early on, I want to say maybe 2012, 2013, this little girl came up to me and she said, uh, uh, you know what? I really don't like Star Wars, but you guys are all really cool. <laughs> and she had, <laughs> and uh, the, her adult uh, uh, that was in charge of her, uh, just her eyes widened because she, you know, came, she came up to me afterwards and said, you know what? That she never talks to people at all. And, and you, something about what you guys did today caused her to open up. So when you mentioned that, Todd, uh, I thought of that. And, uh, and I really miss those orphanage troops for that very reason. And I'm really hoping, I don't know if we'll be able to do the summer visits anymore, but I'm going to push to try to get, because we used to do one, one in the summer and, uh, uh, several years after that was started, we also, we started doing two a year and we would do one around Christmas time. So I'm going to try to do, uh, the one at Christmas time if possible again, because we would bring the kids stuff. So, yeah. And then that's, that's exactly why, uh, I, I do it and, uh, and why we do it. Well, Alex, it has been an absolute blast having you on a podcast again, just being on a podcast with you again. Uh, just I miss the old days. And uh, we may have to rectify that and start something on our own again soon. Twang. I would say, say what? What did you say? Me and my Southeast Tennessee twang. That's right. Yes, I would make. Uh, well, I used to make fun of that. Now I, and, and now I'm starting to regret that. I feel bad. No, it's not your Southeast twang. Not at all. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I do miss the old days, Alex. It's, it's been a blast having you on here. And, gang, I think we're going to have to get him back again someday. What, what do you all say? Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. All Sweet. right. All right, Alex. You've been forewarned. And I think the listeners have been, too. I appreciate it, guys. And uh, to all of my fellow brothers and sisters in the Legion, you know, go. I know you guys are ready for troops. So just go out there, have fun, but bring the smiles. As I say, Order 67, bring the Operation Smiles. Upcoming events. All right. So there is a pretty neat event that uh, I'd like to share, if that's all right. Sure. Um, well, with me being in San Diego, you know, we we, we love our San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, and I know, you know, you do as well. A lot of our viewers, you know, uh, or, sorry, viewers, listeners, <laughs> um, you know, attend. And but it's been really difficult, of course, during the pandemic. Last year's event was canceled and this year's event has been canceled as well. Now, Comic-Con is doing a smaller event in the fall, but it's meant more just for, I think, more of a, a local's 
con. They're really limiting attendance and limiting things. Um, more details will be coming out about that. But there's a few of us that, uh, you know, Comic-Con in San Diego is, is their one big event of the year, you know, that's just such a fantastic time. And so one of the things I did last year was, well, during the dates that Comic-Con was supposed to happen, I, I went down and just, you know, kind of paid homage, you know, to or paid respect to the con. I went down in my uh, my Thai pilot costume and got together with a few other costumers and, you know, we we're all distant and wearing masks, et cetera, and just took some pictures anyway. Just be like, well, you know, this should be Comic-Con. It didn't feel right without being down at the convention center. So it, it was it was wonderful. There's even this shrine that appeared uh, outside the uh, the Tin Fish restaurant, which is right across from the convention center. And it was, uh, you know, a, a tribute to the, the fallen event that was Comic-Con. Um, and so it was, uh, it was a nice event to kind of, you know, pay respect to that event that we love and cherish so much. So this year, there's a little bit more organization behind it. And there's going to be you know, a bunch of costumers that are going to be showing up during the dates of Comic-Con had it gone forward, which is July 23rd through the 25th. And so there's going to be the, um, uh, the, uh, blood mobile from the, um, San Diego. Um, no, I just blanked on the name. Uh, the, the blood, um, like American Red Cross, uh, not the Red Cross, but the local, oh. I, I should have had this written down. The, <laughs> um, the local blood folks. Uh, the San Diego Blood Bank. Uh, there we go. go. I was close. So there's going to be the blood mobile from the San Diego Blood Bank is going to be there uh, still because they usually do a, a big you know blood drive during Comic-Con and have, you know, geeky, you know, genre related, you know, swag, et cetera, to give to people who do donate blood during that time. So they're going to be there and you can sign up for an appointment spot now and you know, go ahead and get your uh, appointment to uh, have your blood donation done. Uh, there's also going to be a, um, a march of costumers that are going to be going up Fifth Avenue. There's going to be like a giant inflatable uh, baby Yoda, you know, in a Funko style. And it, it should be a lot of fun. So, you know, if you happen to be in the area, you're welcome to come on down, view the, uh, you know, people in costume, take some photos or what have you, you know, uh, you know, pay your respects at the shrine or even just show up in costume yourself. And it, it you know, at least we can have uh, a little bit of togetherness and some, uh, enjoyable time in costume in the absence of Comic Con itself. That sounds very cool. I wish I could do something similar for the, for Fan Expo in Toronto. That's the big convention that I normally go to. Um, but I can't cross the border right now. So I can't go up there and, and, you know, take pictures in front of the Metro Toronto Convention Center. But, um, but it, it seems similar to, uh, sort of the cultural experience of Dragon Con as well. Um, I know that they, do the whole blood drive thing they you know set up shrines to things so it's just so interesting how there's this you know convention culture that just kind of crops up at all these big big major events oh definitely you know it's um you know i've been going to comic-con since 2003 
and uh, in San Diego. And it's, you know, it's uh, for the longest time, you know, I've called it my favorite holiday of the year. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it is just such an event you just so dive into. And, and I agree, Nikki, you know, like, yeah, Dragon Con, you know, I've been to a few times and it is a wonderful event, even as like as large as it is. It just has such a wonderful uh, feeling, you know, of togetherness. Mm-hmm. It's like the largest small scale, like large scale fan run convention. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's the, one of the last, you know, giant fan run conventions, I think. That's just, it's really exploded, but yeah, it still feels like you're, it's a family reunion kind of thing. Yeah, I completely agree. Member shout out. For this episode's member shout out, we're sending a hearty congratulations to BJ TK5955 from Florida Garrison's Squad 7 for reaching the 501 trooping milestone. He has been a member of the 501st Legion since October 2010 and has an outstanding 23 costumes on his roster. Congratulations, BJ. And now it's time for our charity spotlight. Chris TK41066 from Northeast Remnant Garrison submitted a charity his garrison likes to support called Partners in Caring. ShopRite, a local grocery food chain in New Jersey, started this program of supporting local food banks in 1999. They have raised more than $24 million in the past two decades. All the money and food donated goes to local food banks. The best part of this is the fact that money raised mostly comes from the very shoppers that shop at ShopRite. The Partners in Caring event usually takes place starting every September with a Stuff the Bus event a week before Thanksgiving. Northeast Remnant Garrison has been a supporter of this great cause for the past five years. For the Stuff the Bus event, citizens can donate frozen turkeys and non-perishable goods to stuff the bus full of food for the food banks. The garrison, along with local law enforcement, help bring attention to the event, post for pictures, and lead a helping hand to load the truck. And, of course, have fun with those doing a great deed to help those in need. We'll have a link in our show notes where you can read more about this program. As always, our official home on the web is 501st.com slash podcast, where you can post your feedback and comments and listen to previous episodes of the show. The 501st cast can be tuned in via iTunes, podcasts.com, or Stitcher. The 501st cast is an easy way to catch up on a few weeks of Legion news while driving, at the office, or working out. But if you're looking for up-to-the-minute news, you'll need to get it from our social media feeds like Facebook and Twitter. Just look us up on Facebook as The 501st Legion, or go to Facebook.com slash The 501st Legion. You can also follow us on Twitter as at 501st Legion, or go to Twitter.com slash 501st Legion. Join in the discussion as thousands of fellow fans share their passion for trooping, Star Wars, and charity. The 501st Cast is also available on the iHeartRadio app. The 501st Legion is a worldwide Star Wars costuming organization comprised of and operated by Star Wars fans. While it is not sponsored by Lucasfilm Limited, it follows generally accepted ground rules for Star Wars fan groups. Star Wars, its characters, costumes, and all associated items are the intellectual property of Lucasfilm. Copyright and trademark Lucasfilm Limited. All rights reserved.
used under authorization. Oh my, oh, oh, what's this? Noise. I don't like this. What's going on? Sounds like a 1980s video game. I like the nostalgia, but, um... Somebody's phone is interfering. Yeah, yeah, let's see here. Sir, I am fluent in six million forms of communication. This signal is not used by the Alliance. It could be an Imperial code.